We would like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners, including the Wurundjeri Wurrung people as original custodians of this land, along with their customs and traditions and their special relationship with the land. It's Sunday the 22nd of May, and welcome to The Wind Down, a recap of the week's news produced by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm your host, Angus Delaney. Among today's headlines, Anthony Albanese is set to lead a Labor government as Scott Morrison and the Coalition are voted out. Later on, we speak with University of Tasmania's Kate Crowley about the surge of Teal independence. And now for the week's headlines. Labor will form the next government of Australia, with Anthony Albanese introduced as the nation's 31st Prime Minister. With a focus on aged care, anti-corruption, childcare, housing, climate change and health, an emotional Albanese addressed his supporters. Tonight, the Australian people have voted for change. Upon conceding defeat, Scott Morrison has stood down as leader of the Liberal Party. Teal independents have claimed 10 seats in the election, including Wentworth's Allegra Spender, Ku Yong's Monique Ryan, and Goldstein's Zoe Daniel. Earlier this week, I spoke with the University of Tasmania's Associate Professor in Public and Environmental Policy, Kate Crowley, about what kind of impact Teal independence could have. Kate, you wrote this fantastic article in the conversation about the kind of power that independents do have in the so-called Teal independent. And I'm wondering, just generally and, and broadly, if enough independents are voted in, how can they impact climate change policy? Well, if there's a minority government, that the independents will use their own position um, on climate policy to negotiate their support for that minority government. And the independents have a stronger position on climate change than both the Labor Party and the coalition. Um, for example, their interim target for 2030 emissions reduction is steeper. It's towards 50 um, to 60% rather than the government's 26 to 28% or Labor's 43%. So that alone is something that they would put on the table. And if enough Tillan independents are voted in, then a major, party, a major party could be in a minority government, like you said. But couldn't this actually make it harder to pass legislation overall? Well, actually, you would think so. Um, so what you have to do is go back and... So, yes, first of all, yes, it is more complex um, and, and more time-consuming. But if you go back and look at the 2010 Gillard Labor minority government they passed a record amount of legislation. I think only the Howard government in its last term passed more legislation per days in office than the Gillard government. So um, uh, you can absolutely get things done. And the Gillard government got a lot of reform in, but the kicker for them was that they had to have the independents, three independents and the one Green MP on board. So they had to propose legislation take it to the support parties and the Greens, the independents and the Greens, sorry, um, who would then either just support it or make some suggestions for improving it. So you can still get things through, but you have to, it has to come with a broader support base. And why that's legitimate is because that actually reflects what the electorate has voted into the parliament. And so the Gillard minority government did manage to pass that effective climate change legislation but then what ha kind of has, has happened to that policy since yes yeah, so the trouble with the um gillard gov uh, the trouble with okay let me just backtrack and say that you're right um that climate policy was then um dismantled and that emissions reduction um process the carbon pricing process was dismantled by the abbott coalition government which followed the gillard government 
So that, that's the problem with climate policy that we've seen is it's become weaponized by um, political parties as something to do and something to oppose. And it's almost like you'd almost prefer good climate policy to come from the Conservatives because then if the Labor government followed, it wouldn't dismantle it. But when good climate policy comes from a Labor government, back then anyway, so we're talking 12 years ago, the Conservatives that followed into government dismantled it. I don't think that would happen today because the economic circumstances have changed so much now that, that renewable energy is actually all about jobs and economic growth, whereas it wasn't seen that way 12 years ago. Do you think teal independents appeal to a wider group of people more than the Greens? Because the Greens are viewed as, as so left and so progressive? Yeah, okay, so yes, I do. I think that the Greens have been talking about ending our reliance on coal for 20 or 30 years, probably since the party was first founded way back in the early 90s. Um, and that was well, way ahead of the curve in terms of global economics, in terms of um, the global commitment um, and just the general awareness raising, that was way ahead of the curve. And they haven't, they haven't wavered on that message. And it's only gradually as the decades go by and it becomes more and more obvious that we do have to reduce, um, if not eliminate our reliance on fossil fuels, that the green message um, is seen to be less ideologically scary um, and a bit more economically rational. But having said that, they are still um, out ahead of the teal independence. So the Greens, no matter what you might think about green, Greens um, policy being something that should appeal across the political spectrum because, you know, environmental protection and sustainability advocacy, that's just logic. That shouldn't be political. But there's a lot of the Green agenda and, in fact, there's a lot of Green Party members who come from the more um, democratically socialist left. And then there's a lot of Green policy that is picked up, that's left behind by Labor on social justice issues. So they are pigeonholed as an ideologically scary party of the left. Then when you, if you just leave that there for a minute and come across to the Teal independence, the Teal independents are disaffected with conservative politics because they're saying, hang on, within conservative politics, the, the coalition, the Liberal Party, there has always been moderates, but these moderates are being increasingly squeezed out and the party is pulling really hard to the right. And so particularly um, this is disaffected women. And if you notice the Teal independents are mainly women. And so they've peeled off to the left of the conservative um, movement, but they're still quite economically rational. They're still quite conservative in a lot of their other um, policy positions. Although having said that, I find it hard to, to put my finger on any except financial ones. Um, and so the, the Teal independents do represent, I think I called it, um, they represent conservative blue tinged with a green concern for climate change, but they also have a concern with um, government accountability. So they therefore are supporting an independent commission against corruption. And they do support action on um, women's issues that came up over the course of the Morrison government in particular. This is all very appealing to moderate liberals and conservatives who would never vote green. So they're chipping away at the Liberal Party support base in the same way that the Greens are chipping away at the Labor Party support base. 
And if we go ahead 10 years, this may lead to us having a more of a multi-party political system where Labor and the Liberals have just sort of declined in their support base sufficient that we have more, we see minority government at the federal level more often. And, and we already see this at the state level. I think they're so hilarious. Um, but um, I was reading a good article today. It might have, yeah, there was a really good article today that talked about how when in, in political campaigns, and we've just been talking about how fraught um, anxiety-making political campaigning is, but one of the things parties do when they're on the back foot is name call the other side, and usually erroneously, and then they hope that that sort of mud sticks. These, um, they're not Labor politicians. I think if you sat the Teal Independent Women down with the Labor Party and, and tried to get them to agree entirely. And do you think there's anything to people that say, or there's anything which to, is the, a to really the point when people say that no one's Teal Independents are Labor like? That the Teal Independents would not <laughs> say that they would support a Labor minority government, but that they would say, we will support whatever government best aligns with the issues that matter to us, vote by vote, day by day, which is going to make the parliament really hard work if that ends up happening. I think, um, you know, politics is about ideas. And you could say the same thing about any opposition party. Um, that they have ideas, not policies. And policies come from ideas. And then to implement those policies, you really need to be in government and have the resources of the public sector behind you, giving you the advice on how things would be put in practice. So it's quite an interesting process that starts with an idea, becomes a policy. But um, if you have a look at... Um, a teal independent who's and just been to kind of round us out, there for one this term, is a critique Darling often that at these teal independents they have ideals rather than policies. The How then can they be effective at instigating change? Um, and her climate policy, I would recommend people have a look at Sally Steggall's Climate Act now. She's got climate change legislation drafted already. Her policies are detailed down to the level of implementation in some cases and quite broad ranging. I would say maybe where the Teal Independents are the least um, developed in their policies is actually they're, they're probably fiscally conservative and they just probably will be, but they haven't necessarily told us what that means. So, yes, I think they are about ideas. I think it varies across the Teal Independents how evolved their, their actual policies are. Um, another one, Helen Haynes from Indi, is, she's... Um, coming up for her second term if she's re-elected, her policies are quite developed. I think it's one of those things that happens in when you run for parliament. You, you put out ideas, you do develop policies, but the detail may be lacking unless you get elected. Swinburne University's Hawthorne campus is situated in Kooyong and the Monique Ryan versus Josh Frydenberg battle has been really interesting. Do you think the Teals have a good chance of getting in? I think Monique Ryan has an excellent chance of getting in. I think there's, um, the, yeah, there's a lot of disaffection in Kuyong. I think that um, 
Josh Frydenberg will probably get the fright of his life or, or just narrowly lose office. I, I don't think there's a total stampede away, but there's, it's, there's, yeah, this is quite an interesting one. You would not think we would be having this discussion. He should be in a safe seat. But on the back of the polling that's going on, unless something radically changes at the last minute, I don't think the people of Kuyong like the government. I think they don't mind Josh Frydenberg so much, but Monique Ryan presents incredibly well. The other thing about the Teal Independents is they haven't come up through party political systems. They're all professional um, businesswomen or have professional careers. And I can imagine that that stands them in good stead for developing legislation, uh, sorry, bills to propose for legislation if they are elected. I think, I think he'll get a fright. Um, narrowly lose or just hang on. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining me on the wind down. Oh, no, th no, no worries. It's been a pleasure. And now back to our headlines. Earlier in the week while campaigning in Tasmania, Scott Morrison appeared to lose balance in a game of soccer with local eight-year-olds, tackling one of the children to the ground. The child got up appearing unharmed and continued to play on. Before this incident, Morrison reflected that he could be a bit of a bulldozer and promised to be more empathetic, which followed by his tackle prompted a stream of online jokes. This included one from Labor's campaign spokesperson Jason Clare, who tweeted, no one is safe from the bulldozer. Following Anthony Albanese's appointment as Prime Minister, the asylum-seeking Nida Zalingan's family will return to Biloela. The family had set up a life in the Queensland town of Biloela, with parents Priya and Nardes having two children, Kopika in 2015 and Tharnika in 2017. In 2018, they were taken to immigration detention in Melbourne, and in August 2019, a late-night injunction stopped the family from being deported from Australia. If the family was sent back to Sri Lanka, they would face fear of persecution. Under the new government, the family should move in the following weeks from Perth Community Detention back to Biloela. Two cases of the monkeypox virus have been detected in Australia for the first time ever. Monkeypox, which comes from a similar virus which causes smallpox, is usually found in West and Central Africa, but is transmitting in nine European countries, the United States, Canada, and now Australia. The World Health Organization has held an emergency meeting to address what Germany has called the largest outbreak of monkeypox in Europe ever. Essendon's Anthony McDonald Tippenwoody announced his retirement in an emotional scene with his Essendon teammates. Tippenwoody returned to VFL level after taking extended personal leave, but eventually made a decision he says he is at peace with. My heart's telling me it's the right decision to make, so even though it's sad, I think I'm, you know, I'm happy within myself to come to a decision where um, it's time for me to move on from football. So, uh, you know, I'll miss this club. I love this club so much. It gave me the opportunity to pursue my dream and, um, and I'm going to miss every one of you. Tippin Woody kicked 153 goals in 126 senior AFL matches. Today's episode of The Windown was produced by Angus Delaney and our album artwork is by Emily Lee. You can find us on Instagram at Swinburne Journalism or The Windown Swinburne, Twitter at Swin Journalism or on our website, theswinstandard.net.